0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show. Folks, today's program is sponsored by healthmasters.com. A couple months ago, I went to Dr. Ted and I said, Ted, I need you to put together a must-have product bundle. I'm going to take it and I'm going to promote it to my listeners. Knowing what I know and that we're going to bathe in a toxic soup with the electromagnetic and the 5G, the chemtrails, Monsanto, the frankenfoods. I think this is the best protocol at Health Masters. Period. B complex, vitamin C, Norwegian omega 3, potassium iodide black seed oil. I think that cures everything except death. The ultimate D3 with K2, the ultimate multiple powder, that's my favorite, and the magnesium brain food. There is nothing like Sheila's Defender Shield Protocol. Go to healthmasters.com and save now by using code Sheila at checkout. Because folks, your health comes first. Protect it. Go to healthmasters.com Sheila today. Green Gospel, the New World Religion, Chapter 4. Is the science settled or unsettling? When a politician says the debate is over, you can be sure of two things. The debate is raging, and he's losing it. George Will. The science is settled. The debate is over. Those were the words of Al Gore, and again in the U.S. Senate hearings in 2008, The claim is so wrong that even some of the mainstream media and many people were perplexed. They know science is an ongoing search. Despite his error, the words bounced around the media echo chamber time and time again. They achieved the goal of getting the first headline, which is the objective. People like Gore know that attempts to correct the record or any further explanation get no attention, and yet, ironically, there has never, ever been a debate. Despite ubiquitous pleas from real climatologists and a few politicians, Gore eludes debates by claiming the science is settled. The debate is over. Really, there never was it. Debate. The most damning crack in the foundation of anthropogenic global warming or man-made global warming. The hypothesis or scientific speculation that human CO2 is causing global warming occurred in November 2009, just prior to a major climate conference in Copenhagen at which a global carbon tax was set to be determined. What happened? Well, a thousand emails were leaked from an internal computer system within the Climate Research Unit at the University of East Anglia in the UK. Journalist and author James Dellingpool dubbed it Climategate because it mirrored the revelations of wrongdoing in the Watergate debacle. What they revealed was how a small group of highly influential British and US scientists had been for years secretly discussing ways in which the research could be manipulated to make their case for human-caused climate change. The once highly regarded CRU's credibility was reduced to junk science through their revelation of the damning email exchanges. The emails revealed that the world's leading climate scientists were working in cahoots to block freedom of information requests to review their data, thus marginalizing dissenting scientists. They manipulated peer-reviewed processes and even deleted inconvenient temperature readings, manipulating the data until it reflected what they wanted. They wrote computer programs to make their climate models, produce the results to support their claims. George Malmbad, a reporter for the left-wing UK newspaper, The Guardian, and a strong supporter of global warming and the CRU, was shaken to the core. As he wrote, it's no use pretending that this isn't a major blow. These emails extracted by a hacker from the Climatic Research Unit at the University of East Anglia could scarcely be more damaging. I am now convinced that they are genuine, and I am dismayed and deeply shaken by them. Why would they do this? Well, the simple answer is, follow the money. After all, the model seems to work pretty well for the former vice president. Money and career advancement are pretty motivating factors to fudge data. The money, especially government funding and huge grant infusions, were used to buy off scientists and others who would provide the settled science they needed. Let's consider the financial issues first, but the ultimate reason among the few at the top is power. Yes, Gore has made a great deal of money. However, his original involvement was a need for a vehicle to advance his political career. And it not interesting because, of course, in Chapter 1, we talked about Rachel Carson's Silent Spring. Well, isn't it interesting that in his introduction, Gore speaks about how reading Rachel Carson's Silent Spring, when he was just 14 years old, shocked him into environmental awareness, which developed further during his studies with pioneering scientist Dr. Roger Revel at Harvard. From the financial and career rewards perspective, consider Phil Jones, director of the CRU. Jones was the recipient of roughly $20 million in research grants. Jones knew what they were doing was wrong because he sent emails to other CRU people urging them to erase emails and explaining how to avoid FOIA requests. In 2005, he wrote, just sent loads of station data to Scott. Make sure he documents everything this time and don't leave stuff lying around on FTP sites. You never know who is trawling them. The two MMs have been after the CRU station data for years. If they ever hear there's a FOIA now in the UK, I think I'll delete the file rather than send to anyone. Does your similar act in the US force you to respond to inquiries within 20 days? Ours does. The UK works on precedent, so the first request will test it. We also have a Data Protection Act, which I will hide behind. Tom Wigley has sent me a worried email when he heard about it, thought people could ask him for his moral code. He's retired officially from EAU, so he can hide behind that. IPR should be relevant here, but I can see me getting into an argument with someone at UEA who will say we must adhere to it. People at the CRU held lead author positions on critical chapters of the United Nations IPCC reports. They effectively controlled the entire process. So exposure of their activities was a serious blow. And there's no point in me detailing all the transgressions revealed in the emails except to identify specific actions to produce material to support their claim that human CO2 was causing global warming and temperatures were higher than they had ever been. A graph in the first IPCC report caused a great deal of trouble. It created three problems. One, the medieval warming period contradicts their claim that the 20th century was the warmest ever. The Little Ice Age, a cold period from 1500 AD to 1850 showed that the present warming trend began prior to the major impact of the Industrial Revolution. Significant production of CO2 by humans began only after World War II. The trend of the warming since 1650 AD was, well, within natural variability. In one email, Michael E. Mann tells Phil Jones it would be nice to contain the putative medieval warming period, in testimony before the United States Congress, Professor David Deming reported receiving an email from the CRU member who thought he was part of the subterfuge to pursue what the emails refer to as the cause. And it bluntly said, we have to get rid of the medieval warming period. Michael E. Mann had developed a technique using tree rings to eliminate the medieval warming period. He was co-opted by the IPCC shortly after getting his PhD and despite having little experience, became the lead author in the 2001 IPCC report. It was a meteoric rise. Man used a selected set of tree rings dominated by one in particular, the Bristol Cone Pine, that was deemed unusable. To make a computer model and as they ran their doctored computer models of tree rings they showed the temperature declining in the 20th century so the method eliminated the medieval warm period but it showed the exact opposite of what they wanted for the 20th century No problem, they simply programmed the computer model to graft on, in a totally unacceptable scientific technique, the modern temperature record. Through stupefying, number-crunching mathematical wizardry, Michael E. Mann meticulously manipulated the data. The result? A bogus graph that looked like a hockey stick positioned horizontally with the blade protruding straight up. The technique was referred to in the leaked emails as Mike's nature trick. After the use of it in the original article in the Nature Journal and published in geology research letters, Phil Jones produced the blade data that claimed global temperatures had increased 0.6 Celsius in approximately 120 years. He claimed incorrectly that this was greater than could occur naturally. Michael E. Mann's infamous hockey stick climate model became a popular and devious device to convince the uninformed observer that the earth was undergoing an unprecedented fever. It was like manna from heaven for Al Gore and his carbon credit touting sky is falling. Give us the money and power to save you pals. A major test of new scientific research is the ability of other scientists to replicate or reproduce the results. It is called reproduction results. Steve McIntyre and Ross McKittrick tried to replace this now most famous of all climatological reconstructions, aka man's hockey stick, and were stonewalled in obtaining man's original data. They were able to recreate enough to discover that man's graph relied on a computer algorithm so skewed that it would produce the hockey stick more than 99% of the time, regardless of the data that you fed into it. In other words, even though it was comprehensively debunked, Man's corrupted graph was used in Gore's movie to scare and mislead the public, and worst of all, school children. It became the poster child for global warming, yet it continues to be hailed by climate change advocates as the gospel. The United Nations still carries the stick to compel global policy and Al Gore carries it all the way to the bank. Both Mann and Jones consistently refused to release their original data. Mann refused to provide his data and then got a court to say it was his intellectual property even though the taxpayer paid for his research and the results were used for public policy. When Australian scientist Warwick Hughes asked Phil Jones for his data, he replied, we have 25 years or so invested in the work. Why should I make the data available to you and your aim is to try and find something wrong with it? Then he subsequently reported that the original data was lost. Like Mann and his hockey stick model, the handful of experts from the IPCC and the CRU, entrusted with monitoring the planet's temperature, are agenda-driven and constantly adjusting the records. Gavin Schmidt was a graduate and then on staff at the CRU, but now is in control of the influential NASA GIS temperature record. He held a press conference claiming that 2014 was the warmest year on record. Although it was in his personal briefing notes, he neglected to tell the media that he was only 28% sure of his data. Other estimates of global temperature, such as a satellite record from the University of Alabama at Huntsville, showed it was not the warmest year on record. However, Schmidt had the headline and gave backing to Al Gore's claim that the great goddess Gaia has a fever. James Hansen, the director of Nasagis, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, Goddard Institute for Space Studies for nearly 30 years, is a zealous promoter of global warming since the 80s. Hansen possesses an insatiable appetite for media attention, constantly pushing his personal agenda in a bureaucratic position that requires objectivity. A slick marketer with a penchant for outlandish claims and hysterics, including being arrested in a protest outside the White House, Hansen somehow avoided being prosecuted under the Hatch Act that limits bureaucratic political activities. He became central to the deception about global warming when he took it from behind the scenes of the United Nations bureaucratic machinations into the public spotlight. Hansen even agreed to an interview on a rooftop in downtown San Francisco conducted by a counterculture internet-based outfit called TUC Radio during which Hansen hardly sounded like an honorable director Director of a U.S. government agency, but more like a Marxist community agitator. His June 1988 appearance before a U.S. Senate committee, at which he lamented that he was certain that man was the culprit and human CO2 caused global warming. Coordinators of the drama were Al Gore and former United States Senator Timothy Wirth, although recently John Kerry falsely claimed a role in a 2007 PBS Frontline documentary, Worth said, we knew there was this scientist at NASA who had really identified the human impact before anyone else and would testify emphatically at the Gore committee that human CO2 is causing unstoppable global warming. Worth acknowledged that they had identified the pre-4 Forecasted hottest day of the year in Washington and scheduled the hearing for that day. They went into the hearing room the night before, this is on record, to open the windows and turn off the air conditioning. I tell young people that they better start to act up because they're the ones who will suffer, Hansen said. Hansen usually fails to mention that he should have made it clear that all his comments were his own and not his as a representative of NASA. Indeed, a characteristic of his career was that he spoke as director of NASA GIS when it suited him and as a citizen when that was beneficial. As NASA GIST director, his role should have been collecting data like a scientist, truthfully, and sharing the data, not producing results to influence policy legislation and encourage riots. In February 2009, Hansen wrote an op-ed in the London Observer recklessly claiming coal-fired power stations are death factories. Hansen was challenged about using the public trust and his agitator antics, including participating in a public protest outside the White House and giving evidence on behalf of Greenpeace activists who bombed a coal plant in England. All of this is in contradiction to the political activity limitations put on him as a federal employee under the Hatch Act. He went on the offensive and claimed political interference from the Bush White House. His boss at Nasikis waited until he was retired to publicly say that the interference did not happen and that they were false claims. The Heinz Foundation awarded Hansen with a half a million dollars for helping make global warming a household phrase. It is also reported that Hansen is said to have acted as a paid consultant to Al Gore during the making of his son Wi-Fi global warming propaganda film and inconvenient truth. It's ritzy vacation and big money payoffs when you jump into bed with a big eco fraud. Gore and Hansen led the ignorant to believe that it was the hottest weather ever blaming it all on the rampant production of carbon dioxide caused by man's insatiable appetite for fossil fuels. The truth that you must realize is that CO2 only accounts for less than 1% of the gases in the Earth's atmosphere, less than 4% of the so-called greenhouse gases, and of that sliver, only 3% is created through man-made means. Carbon dioxide has been steadily increasing at a snail's pace. Since the end of the Little Ice Age, it is at its all-time lowest level. The warming mantra is pure chicanery. And how do their mindless ramblings explain the hottest weather ever recorded back in the 1930s when CO2 levels from fossil fuels were immeasurable? Well, according to the United States National Climatic Data Center, 1936 was the hottest overall summer on record in the continental United States. Despite these facts, temperature keeper James Hansen continues to ignore them and claims to the press we only have four more years left perhaps he means they only have four more years to dupe the public so that he and gore can make even more money and gain greater power it is interesting that worth retired early from the senate and took a senior position at the united nations likely under the influence of ted turner who had donated one billion dollars to the u.n It's hardly the first time that United Nations bureaucrats make up dire predictions only to be proven wrong. On June 30th, 1989, the Associated Press ran an article headlined, United Nations Official Predicts Disaster Says Greenhouse Effect Could Wipe Some Nations Off Map. In the piece, the director of the United Nations Environmental Program's New York office was quoted as claiming that entire nations could be wiped off the face of the earth by rising sea levels if global warming was not reversed by the year 2000. He predicted coastal flooding and crop failures that would create an exodus of eco-refugees threatening political chaos and a litany of other predictions that are so ridiculous that they've been retracted before they can be proven wrong. Consider as just one example the scandal came to be known as Glacier Gate. In its final 2007 report, widely considered the gospel of settled science, the United Nations IPCC suggested that the Himalayan glaciers would melt by 2035 or sooner. It turns out the wild assertion was lifted from the World Wildlife Fund propaganda literature, the IPCC recanted the claim after initially defending it. You know what? They should recant all their claims because they are without scientific justification, turning lies into truth and altering the past. And remember what George Orwell said in his book 1984? He who controls the past controls the future.